I want to welcome my guest today, Amanda Cleary Estep, and she is the author of a wonderful series for middle grade children ages 8 to 12, 8 to 11, somewhere in there. Uh, the first is Jack versus the Tornado, and this is a series called the Tree Street Kids Series. It's published by Moody, and you can find it on Amazon, and uh, I just want to welcome Amanda and I'm so glad she's here. I've read the first book. I've started the second, and I am enjoying them very much. So I think it's a book people of any age can enjoy. And that's always true about great stories. They're not really age limited. Um, welcome, Amanda. Thank you for joining me. Well, it's really fun to be here, Anne. And I just want to thank you for your time and for reading the books. Well, it was my pleasure. Um, the story begins on Jack's grandparents' farm, but it doesn't stay there long. And I like that because Jack is thrown into a situation over which he has no control. And you see him trying to control things and make it turn out his way. And I think that happens so often in middle age, the middle aged children. They have circumstances they cannot control. And the initial idea they have is to try to make things turn out right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the book and why you wrote it? Sure, Anne. I think that's that situation is pretty uh, common for all of us, no matter what age. We, we um, get tossed into a, a change of some kind and we're trying to manage it and manage the way we are responding and feel and we want to make things go our own way. So I think that resonates with with most of us, that situation. But Jack versus the Tornado is the first of the four books that we have right now. And like you said, Jack is is he's our main character and he is just kind of tossed into this very disruptive um, situation with a move, a move from the farm where he grew up with his parents and his 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 little close-knit family all his life into the suburbs of Chicago. Well, you know, I think uh, I think that is an interesting situation for him to be in. And at first he seems to feel uh, determined not to make it work, but he does have uh, little things that kind of draw him into life there. And he meets other people, other children, I think the most interesting character was the elderly neighbor. And I hope I'm remembering is Mr. Bruno. Mr. Mr. Bruno. Bruno. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like it that you made this intergenerational. And where did the idea for Mr. Bruno come from? Yeah, that was really important to me. Um, my, my kids and, uh, you know, as they were growing up, really, that was important to me for them to, to interact with people that were not just even, you know, their parents' age, but their grandparents' age. My my kids had the gift of of having grandparents, um, and they still do, um, as part of their lives. And Mr. Bruno was actually inspired by uh, our own next-door neighbor. Oh. Uh, and and his name was was Bruno. <laughs> so that's that's a nod to um to one of our our old neighbors when we were growing up. And he was he was just a, a a precious person to my kids, and so that's just a 
it's just a, a kind of a, I suppose it was just a way of honoring him and how important he was in, in my, my kids' lives. And the, the, the influence of, of not just elderly people, but people from, you know, different generations is, is so important to kids and to their upbringing. And we've, we've lost a lot of that, I think, where we're not, you know, people have become very scattered. So often kids don't even have their grandparents in their lives. And, you know, because of moves and, and um, you know, just the, the, just the changing of the nuclear family. So that was important to me to show that, uh, that you, you can learn and, and be cared for by people you aren't even related to, but, and who are, you know, older than you. So that's where Mr. Bruno came from. Jack's father, uh, he is working somewhere else. Right. So, so they moved from the farmhouse to, to this new home and the, the, the grandparents stay back in the farmhouse, but they're kind of going through their own transition as well. The farmhouse has to be sold. And Jack is determined as as a, any 10-year-old would kind of think in a, a little bit more limited way because they have limited experiences that if he raises enough money, maybe mowing lawns or, or whatever he can do, that he might be able to help, you know, quote unquote, save the farm and then move back to it so that his family can all be together again and and, and back on the farm. So that's kind of the premise and the conflict that, that Jack is is going through and trying to figure out. There are a few things that stand in his way of, of accomplishing that beyond the fact that mowing lawns is not going to raise enough money to save a farm. <laughs> but um, there's uh, this whole idea of, of, of storms and it's tornado season. And if you've ever lived in or you're familiar with the Midwest, uh, there are a lot of those. But the, the other thing that kind of stands in Jack's way of getting back is that he starts to make friends. Yes. Uh, and he's kind of drawn into that. The one thing I did like about the lawn mowing uh, idea was that he didn't uh, he didn't assume his parents' minds could be changed. He thought about what he could do to solve a problem that was important to him. And I think it's important for kids to think in those terms, even though their solutions may not always be realistic. It's a good mindset for a kid to have, you know, what can I do? What can I do instead of, you know, how can I make them? How can I make them? So um, I thought that was very important. And I was glad that you you did it that way. And I love it. I love it. Can't, I don't want to spoil anything because it's really a wonderful book. But I love it that I felt like I was sitting at the table in a family with kids this age, I felt like I was one of the kids. And <laughs> I just, I taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. And I felt like I was back in the middle of those kids when I read it, because the dialogue is so real. I mean, I would have kept reading just to find out what armpit beans were. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the armpit beans come in a little bit later. Um, after Jack makes a pretty big discovery as he's mowing uh, Mr. Bruno's lawn. So yes. I don't know if we want to give that away, but there's a, a, a major discovery um, as, as he's, as he's carrying out his lawn mowing duties. But um, the humor was really important to me. It, and it's, and it's tough um, to, to, to make kids and adults both laugh, but 
my I think I really draw a lot from my family. We as as soon as we're all together, there's just it's kind of this uproarious laughter. And um we we can sometimes have just really silly senses of humor or um my kids are in, incredibly witty. And so it's 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 kind of easy. There's just a lot of natural humor in our in our uh, interactions and and I'm I'm glad some of that is is showing through in the uh, in the book and Midge is the little sister she's she's kind of the comic relief uh, in in most of the books. Yes, I really enjoyed Midge because she is wise beyond her years and uh, I think she is just a very good sidekick for Jack even though she's a thorn in his side sometimes <laughs> like most uh, sisters can be. But your your humor really comes through, and uh, I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed the little asides, the little uh, notes that you put in along the way. Um, I think three different characters have those notes like Midge's phenomenal facts. That was such a good way to uh, share things with readers that they might not have gotten otherwise. Where did the idea for those come from? All of the books have what I just I just kind of call fun facts, and those are actually available on um, on the TreeStreetKids.com website as printables. So um, parents can go on the website and print all of the all of the fun facts. So there's a fact that's related to each of the each of the characters. Jack really loves um, planning and sports, and so eventually you'll see some of his fun facts. Um, he likes maps. You'll see some of those in the books. Um, Midge, as you mentioned, she, we have Midge's phenomenal facts because she loves science, and and so there's always some kind of random, interesting little science fact. Roger uh, is our history buff, so we have um, history facts from Roger, uh, Roger's riveting history, and then Ellison's bookmark. Uh, Ellison is uh, becomes Jack's best friend in the books, and he is uh, a bookworm. And so we have literature facts throughout um, from Ellison. And I, I don't know where they exactly came from. My one of my daughters and I, especially we we love to we love to research, mm -hmm. and so we're always sharing different things with each other. And as I was researching, especially for Midge, because she comes up with all these you know, interesting little things that she just kind of tosses out into her dialogue. I thought, well, maybe it would be fun to give a little bit extra information. So uh, Moody's wonderful graphic designers came up with these little sticky note uh, graphics. And uh, so each each of the fun facts is, is really beautifully, you know, um, included on the page there and in just kind of a fun way. So I thought it was just also a good way for kids to dig into something a little bit more if they were interested in it, uh, maybe spark a little bit of uh, research or uh, further study. I think you did that well, and I would almost do that myself for some of those notes. Um, I think that's a very good way to extend the children's interest beyond the books. And I also like the way you made faith a part of the book. Their faith is evident, but these are not preachy, religious, sanctimonious people. They're very real people. And it was done with a light touch. I did appreciate that. And I think uh, that's what makes me think of these books as books with heart and soul. Would you like to say anything about the faith element in your book? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, 
a quote I read from uh, Frederick Beekner. He talked about the importance of, and, and I'm just really paraphrasing loosely here, basically like that the story is as important as the message. And if you, and if all you do, and he was referring uh, to Jesus parables, I believe at the time was if all you do is you just, you, you squeeze, you know, it's like an orange. So you just, you squeeze out the message and then just the story becomes kind of like this empty rind, but that's, I mean, story is so much more than that. Um, And we see that through scripture. We see that in our own lives that that we are stories. (laughs) Um, God is referred to as the author. So the story is important. The message, of course, is a very integral part of it. And so the way I bring faith into, into the stories is just the way it happens in life. Each character is, I don't, I don't want to just kind of, you know, shoehorn it in, basically. Um, I want it to be authentic to each of the characters. So Jack, for instance, he's raised in church. But like many 10-year-old boys, he's thinking about, you know, what's for breakfast and am I going to get my homework done? And, you know, who, you know, what what fun thing am I going to do, uh, <laughs> you know, after uh, I'm done with homework, uh, all those kind of things. And so th- there's a little bit of a, of a joke about uh, Midge kind of teases him sometimes that the only Bible verse he's ever memorized is Jesus wept. <laughs> so, and that, that one's a little nod to my son, because when he was, when he was able to just, you know, he was told for homework to pick a Bible verse to memorize that's one he chose. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, these things have to be authentic to the characters because that's how it is in real life. We, we all have different um, faiths. We have different ways we walk out that faith, and um, that's how it should be in, in in stories. I agree. In fact, the first thing I looked for when I tried to find books that I wanted to talk about and recommend to parents and grandparents as gifts uh, this Christmas was that first it had to be a great story, because nobody's going to read unless it's a great story. And your Tree Street Kids books are great stories. And then I looked for the soul element. You know, what are we saying to children here? I want to say so many things sometimes to children, but I can't find the words. But give me a great story I can hand them, and they will hear what they need to hear through the story. Absolutely. And so um, I really appreciate your books. I'm going to give the titles Jack versus the Tornado is the first one. And then the second one is The Hunt for Fang. That's the one I just started. And oh, I was so afraid of what was going to happen to them in the cemetery. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say about that. And number three, Lions to the Rescue. And number four, Mystery in Crooked Creek Woods. So they're all mysteries, right? Well, actually, no. They're, um, the, the fourth one is very much a mystery. Uh, there's, there's, I suppose there's a little bit, there's some elements of mystery as probably, especially in, in the first book and, and a little bit in the second, but no, they're, um, they're, they're all, all the stories they're set in the nineties, which is kind of fun. That's been very nostalgic for parents of readers of this age. Yes. Uh, the parents have very much enjoyed that and they're realistic fiction. So although the kids really get into some, um, some mild peril at times, uh, nothing, nothing too serious. 
they, they have pretty big adventures for the small neighborhood that they live in. But um, but yeah, they're not. The fourth one is is a, pretty much a straight, more of a straight mystery. You know, that's interesting. And the other thing I found interesting that I picked up on in the second book right away is the farm hasn't been sold yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know what's going to happen there. And I don't want you to tell me. But I thought it was interesting that at the second book, the farm hasn't been sold yet. Hmm. There are still possibilities there. And I wonder what direction that will send Jack in. Anyway, there's a lot more to discover in your books. And uh, I will read all four of them before Christmas. My grandkids are now older than 12, but they may enjoy them. Or I will find an 11 or 12 year old who would really, really get into these adventures. Well, you were talking about the the, the overarching storylines. Yes, uh, there 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 are a few of those. So there are a few that I I begin in book one and I carry all the way through to book four. But then I plant some seeds in the you know book two and three and four. Hopefully, with the the vision that there will be there will be some more coming up. So I think there stay need, tuned. <laughs> there need to be some more. What surprised you the most about writing the series? What did you learn from writing the series? I'm still a little bowled over that just as a writer that I got four books written in two and a half years. I noticed that. I noticed the first was 2021. And uh, wow, here we are a year later. Right. The first two were released together. So Jack versus the Tornado and The Hunt for Fang came out in April of 2021. And then... Lions to the Rescue and Mystery in Crooked Creek Woods came out this past July together. Moody felt that it would just be a nice kickstart to the series to get those four books um, out to kids as quickly as possible. So That's good. Now, is Jack going to age as the series grows or is he going to remain age uh, 10? Well, right now, my my plan has been, you'll see that in each book, it, each book covers about a month or two in in time. So that, that that would if the books if the series continues that would that would be the the um, chronological order. There'd be you know another book a month or so later and then another month or so later. And so the, there's that very gradual aging. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, what was your favorite childhood book? Yeah, we were talking uh, just. A few minutes ago about how um, how formational basically books are to just our, our really what we would call our moral imagination and how and how, how much that can engage us on such a deep level and the the two books that did that for me were um, Madeline Engel's A Wrinkle in Time and then C.S. Lewis's Lion what the Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe I mean of course I love that I, I love the whole series but those two books specifically just grabbed a hold of me, <laughs> um, mind, heart, and soul as a child. And I still, they were so precious to me that I still have my original copies of both of those. And I was able to get A Wrinkle in Time signed by Madeline Engel later in my life. I sent it to her several years before she passed away and asked her if I just wrote a letter to her to tell her um, how much the book meant to me and asked her if she would sign it. And she did and mailed it back to me in the envelope I provided. <laughs> and uh, 
So those those are still just precious things to me. And the, the lion, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, just speaking of the whole series, but especially that first one, you know, I was raised in church, um, but there was something about that book that helped me to know God on, on just a deeper level as a child. Um, because I, I think because my imagination was engaged as well as my intellect, as well as um, my experiences as a child and, and my love of reading. It, it all just kind of came together to open my heart up to the Lord in a, in a, in a new way that I think if I hadn't read it, would maybe not have happened. And I think that's why those books have remained uh, classics, because they do open the heart and the mind and the imagination and help children grasp concepts that they may not be able to grasp otherwise. Mm -hmm. Well, I was thinking this might be a four or five minute interview, <laughs> but I have really enjoyed talking to you. And I really uh, want to know where readers can find your books other than I'm sure they can order them from Moody. They can get them on Amazon. Do you want them to look for them in other places too? Well, if they want to find out more about the books, and um, I also have a uh, version devotional available um, that's connected to, that's based on uh, Jack versus the Tornado. And then the free printables are all available on treestreetkids.com. So they can find out everything they need there. And um, that's that's the best place best place to look. And if people have favorite booksellers, ind independent booksellers that they that they enjoy buying from, they can um, usually order the books through their local bookstores at um, usually bookshop. I think it's bookshop.org, but um, you can ask your local bookseller as well too if you want to support them. Well, I really appreciate your company this morning. Your writing is full of life and fun. And it carries important, important things that kids should know. They should understand about faith and about life and about family. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year. It's just been a pleasure. This was, I, I, it was lovely to talk with you. And I, I, I wish it could have been a little longer. <laughs> me too. Maybe, uh, maybe down the road. Um, right. And, uh, the Tree Street Kids series is a great one to give as a gift this Christmas. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne. Thanks for joining me for Speeding Past 80. I hope you've enjoyed the interview with my special guest, Amanda Cleary Estep, and her books, The Tree Street Kids series. 